Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. It's showtime, folks. Enjoy the show. First and foremost, how are you feeling? I'm feeling a little better. My meds are kicking in and helping me. So I guess that's a good thing. And how is your belly? My belly is full. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me me about your mushrooms, because you sent me a recipe way too late. It was already (laughs) cooking day when you sent me possibly the best recipe I never ate. 
I did not make it's the they game. are so good. Oh my goodness. I I, I hate oh mushrooms. But these are just the best mushrooms. They they cook for nine hours in like uh, butter and burgundy wine and yeah, they do nine hours. Say that again, because yeah. I'm sure somebody has heard that and said, "Well, that's a mistake." <laughs> it is definitely not. It is nine hours. They cook all flipping day. I have to get up. That's the first thing I start cooking. I wake up, get the mushrooms going, and then I can rest for a few hours before I start cooking everything else. What what time do you eat generally when the whole clan is there? What is your typical Thanksgiving eating schedule? Four-ish. People yeah. start showing up. I think people started showing up around 11 and, you know, just hung out and played games and, you know, goo goo gaga over the over my my nephew's baby. And, and Oh, there's we, always uh, a baby. There's always a baby. And then, uh, yeah, just kind of slowly build to uh, to the big meal, which is wonderful. And then everybody kind of collapses for a little while and then we get back up and have dessert do you dress formally like are you you know oh, do you, do no you wear way. ties and stuff no way this is arizona like you know formal wear is flip-flops <laughs> <laughs> uh we we are um we're a pajama thanksgiving family oh, like it's like straight up you know i break out the snowflake pajamas i mean it's not like matching we don't match but we're we're that casual so we cook all day and then and now, of course, we've, we've started cooking the day before. That's a new thing this year. Usually we do everything yeah. the day of, uh, but this year we cook before. And so by the time we eat, and we do, we dress it up. We, you know, we'll put out the tablecloth and the nice stuff, but it's only out for like the duration of dinner and then everything goes away. It's like it never happened. And then it's turkey soup day. Today is, or the day after is immediately turkey soup day because you make the leftovers and we make a bone broth. That's kind of our tradition. So, so it smells like turkey for three days straight. I need to learn how to do like a bone, like do something with the carcass because I just, I feel guilty throwing it away. And I'm like, there are people who know what to do with this. And yeah. <laughs> dump yeah. it in the trash. I was like, I really should do something, but oh, I yeah. just don't. And we take the neck bones and we make a necklace out of the ones that remain that we're not using to, <laughs> we're not using, we sharpen tiny that, arrowheads out of most of them. Is that what the, your children children wear to their <laughs> Hunger Games camp? Their, their turkey bone, neck, neck right. bone necklaces? That's right. That's right. <laughs> don't mess uh, with me. The, <laughs> Uh, the downside of Thanksgiving at our house is it's generally pretty quiet with regard to media. We don't we don't usually watch uh, watch a bunch of movies or anything. So I this week has been pretty quiet. Have you uh, have you seen anything good? We went to Coco, which uh, just as a family we just all absolutely loved. I think it's one of the strongest Pixar films they've made in a while. Oh, just thank goodness! I mean, just brilliant, brilliant movie. The music is uh, so perfectly. I mean, it it had to be good with the music because it's about a kid who wants to be a musician. So you, you got to guarantee that the music's going to work. But it it's so um, effectively tied into just like Mexican culture and the the Day of the Dead and everything. It just I was really kind of surprised because the trailers had been really underwhelming. But I will say. The the frozen short that happens before the movie, Olaf's Frozen Adventure, yeah. is it's like a full flipping half hour. It is like a TV, like one of those Christmas TV specials. And it's about <laughs> on par as as like a Christmas TV special. It's it's tedious. Both kids actually looked over to me and, and at different times were like, when is this gonna be over? Oh no. I mean, that says everything. It's it's awful. And I uh and not to mention it's just a terrible short anyway. So 
if we go see Coco again in the theater, I am going to make sure we go to a theater with reserved seating so that we can show up a full half hour late and skip that whole thing because it was a torture. Oh, that's so terrible. Well, you know, they were saying that it's a that that particular short's only going to be running in limited release. So, thank goodness. Uh, yeah. So I hope it disappears eventually. I do too. It's worth seeing on the big screen, right, Coco? Oh, it's beautiful. Like yeah. what they do with the, with the land of the dead. I mean, it's just it's a beautiful world that they've created, and uh, it's just. I mean, it was just a, and it's a really powerful, touching film. Loved it. The, the you know we've I've only seen of it. I've only seen the you know I'm Maria Menounos, and this is you know you know her thing. Does she, do you have Maria yeah. Menounos before the movies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Maria, what has come of you? Uh, <laughs> You're used to host Entertainment Tonight, right? What those were the, cal- oh, the, the Halcyon days. How the mighty have fallen. <laughs> Have you noticed she's like hawking her own website now? Visit me at mariamenunos.com. Oh, Maria. Anyway, the, the, is the, uh, you know, the shorts that they've been playing uh, before that about Coco are all about the music and the attention to detail uh, that they put toward the, you know, the guitar and the fingerings and the, you know, capturing all the guitar, um, you know, the playing of the guitar in animation. Uh, that's legit, that the fingering's all right. It's all GoPro'd and turned into, you know, CG, and it's, it's you you could follow along. Wow, uh, that's interesting. I, I can't imagine, I, I can't think of a movie that has that has done that before. Um, and, yeah. and so the clips that I've seen are, are, you know, straight up, like all the bends are right, all the, I mean, it's, just, it's amazing. Uh, yeah, and that's not something I would... Um no like i wouldn't be able to watch him play and go mm-hmm. oh he's totally hitting the right notes yeah but i mean he does like you can see his fingers moving on the guitars more so than just kind of the what you see like the animated strum of just the hand moving up and down yeah. right yeah <laughs> so right. they they do a good job i mean it's it's pixar they're really all about the authenticity and just kind of really putting their all into the world so well i'm really pleased to hear that uh, and you know especially with all the pixar sequels going on right now you know it's nice to see Something new and fresh that isn't doesn't have a two or a three behind it. And this is one where I like I, I feel there's I certainly hope that there's no need for a sequel to this. Like I think they do a great job of telling this story. Um, if it's successful, it's like just leave it alone. You don't need to make a sequel to it. Coco two. Everyone's really dead. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But we'll see how this one does. It, you know, last year, it, it, Moana did really well over the holiday weekend. Um, people aren't expecting Coco to quite quite hit it. Um, but I'm curious if uh, uh, where the where things are going to fall. I think Coco, it's, it's the only big release, so it's probably going to take the weekend. And then, um, I don't know, maybe it will be uh, JLA or Justice League behind it. And then... Uh, uh, and then I don't know, Wonder maybe I don't know. Wonder Wonder's been up there. It's definitely a popular one. It's good alternative programming. Yeah, man, it's it's. I mean, that's where everybody I'm hearing is talking about the Wonder more than certainly more than Coco. No, it, it definitely looks like um, uh, you know it's it says Coco is starting off strong, heading towards a 70 million plus five day opening. So it might not top Moana, but still looks like it's going to be a strong opening well. weekend. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, Justice League is, is they say, playing mostly as expected. It's going to try to reach uh, the uh, and hit $60 million domestically. Um, they're not quite sure where it's going to land. But, um, and then, uh, yeah, then Wonder. 
did we, will be number three. So, did we talk about Justice League yet? You and I have we talked about it? Uh, no, only briefly um, on Slack. We you said you were mm. kind of, hmm. yeah. Uh, you kind of thought it was okay. You know, it was fine. I didn't hate it. I enjoyed it. I ha- I had a fun time. I thought the characters. I enjoyed the league. I uh, you know certainly look forward to more. I'm curious to see how they're going to develop it, but I, I love seeing the team coming together. I thought it had a really nice dynamic with the five of them, six of them, really, eventually. Man, Andy, Henry Cavill's face. Oh, the the digital mustache removal. It was so bad. It was I so. I completely agree. Yeah. It was so bad. It was it was a it was a consistent low point in the movie, and I could not, I couldn't take it seriously. And after that, my kids too. Like at, that was the that was the thing we left the movie talking about how stupid that was, and we would reenact the movie. Um, you know, probably all the takes that didn't, you know, all the takes that didn't make it into the movie of the actors like laughing at Henry Cavill during sensitive scenes. Like we have these little skits <laughs> where one of us plays Henry Cavill, and we try to be serious, and it's when they break. It's it, it was it was horrific and terrible and just a bad choice and that it comes from a a legal dispute in an era when we know how to make great mustaches from makeup uh, that they chose this route uh, and wouldn't let him uh, and and was it Paramount who said you know you're contractually obligated to to keep the mustache because you're in the middle of shooting uh, Mission Impossible uh, six. That they didn't just recreate the mustache in makeup is it's it's a horrendous offense to something that is going to be on film forever. Like it's this is it. This was their one chance to make the return of Superman look normal, and they failed. They should have just had him come back with a mustache. <laughs> you know what? That would have been better. That would have been better than what they ended up with. It was ridiculous. Uh, you were right. You were Andy was right. Hashtag Andy was right. Um, the uh, the the big bad the villain Steppenwolf was underwhelming, um, and uh, you're right. Also, the league coming together was was fine. But how stupid was it? Again, you were you had a lot of really uh, you know solid <laughs> points about this movie. How stupid was it? Truly, that uh, Aquaman had no water. In the end, yeah. it's a completely like generated landscape. Add a lake, people. Right, give Just him something add, to do. God, add, add a add a pitcher. Just give him a, a, some water, <laughs> a hose, whatever. Give him the Wonder Twins. One of them give, always forms into water. <laughs> they always form into a bucket of water. Come on. So I found that really disappointing, and I thought his, uh, you know, Aquaman for me was the the weakest point. I, I think they just didn't do enough for Momoa, and he ended up being uh, being kind of a catchphrase, you know, bucket like my man, oh yeah. yeah, like it was just you know, he's he's the guy they're using to make ringtones, you know, like I can <laughs> right. see making whenever Andy calls, oh yeah, my man, hua, humana humana. So, How did you know? Stupid. Nah, there's some oh, stupid well. stuff in there, but but I did. You're right. I didn't enjoy it, and I I you know I think Batfleck is fine. Gal Gadot is great, uh, and uh, the highlight was probably the interaction between Cyborg and the Flash. Although the Flash's running was stupid. What's he doing? Kicking his legs and arms out. It was just weird. That was not good character design. Well, I didn't have any issues with that. But well, huh. 
you know, it was it was um, it was middling, but it checked all the teenage boxes for me. Like I, you know, when I let myself go into the zone, I I had a pretty good time. So it was good. Yeah. All right. Yeah, fun times. It was it was good enough. It, it, they did a good job with it that I thought uh, made up for some of the past um, problematic films. And so yeah. here's hoping part two um, really makes up for everything. Here's hoping indeed. Should we talk trailers? We should. We should. Why don't you go first? My trailer, Pete. Uh, of course, now I've forgotten what it was. <laughs> let me go back to let me go back to my <laughs> link of my trailer that I picked. <laughs> <laughs> it's really stuck with you. It was so good. Was so what a good. trailer. I created I an Instagram it. post about it. <laughs> no, so the trailer I picked um, is for a film called People You May Know, which uh, is being released by Orchard. It had a trailer release uh, recently, and it's it's one of those kind of weird ones where I don't think it's getting a theatrical release. It played at a festival, and now it's going straight to DVD, and uh, digital um, uh, really kind of next week. It's coming really quickly here. But it looked so good. And I thought it just, it looked like a really interesting spin on social media and the way social media uh, taps into our lives these days. The story is about this introverted guy who is completely avoiding social media. He's trying to find a girl to connect with who, um, you know, they can just have a real connection, but he keeps running into people who's like, well, I, I, I only date guys who, uh, when I can do a deep goog on them, as that one girl said, which was very funny. <laughs> deep um, it's goog. a deep goog. <laughs> so bad. Oh, I know. We are so old. <laughs> it's, it's a really funny world out there right now. Um, and so uh, he ends up meeting this girl who, um, is a, I kind of, I guess a social media guru. And she's just like, you're the perfect guy. I want to um, take you as an experiment and I want to see what I can do with you. Um, because he was dabbling. I guess he's good in like uh, Photoshop and stuff. And he Photoshopped himself into this photo at like, I think it looks like a basketball game and he's next to Usher. And um, and she's like, it was really impressive, but I know it's fake. But I think you're really interesting. I want to take you and I want to mold you and see if I can create this this social media phenomenon that all of a sudden everybody likes. And so together they kind of come up with this whole plan to kind of make him this person that he's completely not. And uh, it just, it becomes this, this, you know, kind of this worldwide phenomenon. And it's just, it's so interesting to watch how social media can kind of turn a person like that. And I mean, even Usher at one point he meets, runs into Usher at this bar and Usher's like, hey, from Vegas. And like, <laughs> you know, because he's seen the photo that he <laughs> photoshopped as the so two good. of them together. And thinks it's real. I, it, it just is, it speaks so much to our world right now. And I thought it just looked really fascinating. Um, it's directed by Sherwin Shalati. I'm not uh, familiar with Sherwin. I think Sherwin has uh, has done a few little things, but not uh, much. Just some shorts and uh, uh, some TV things and stuff like that. But not a whole heck of a lot. This is kind of the first uh, real branch in, into the feature world. Uh, and even the the cast, I'm not that familiar with. Uh, Nick Thune, Halston Sage, Kaylee Smith Westbrook, Nicholas Rutherford, Carly Chaikin. Uh, it's an interesting looking uh, trailer. I uh, I don't know the people, but I think the movie looked fascinating. What do you think? It, it this this movie is is up there with the 
you know, your your best horror movies in my book right now. Um, I do like Nick Thune a lot. Um, and he, I, I don't know, he's, I feel like he's one of those that this this could be a movie that allows you to see kind of who he's, you know, who he, he can be. Um, he's He hasn't, you know, he was in things like Knocked Up and, you know, Extract, which I, I thought was a fantastic little comedy. Uh, he had a small part in, in Extract. And, and so, you know, I like seeing him in these kinds of things and to see him get a, a little bit of a bigger role is, um, is, is exciting. It's nice to see his career mature like this. So um, it's, uh, I, I think it's going to be fun. We'll see, you know, we'll see if I walk out and, and can avoid the cold sweats. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, we all have our horror worlds, but Pete, this is, uh, this is yours. So, uh, like I said, it's, uh, it's not getting any sort of theatrical, but it looks like, uh, you'll be able to start, uh, hopefully streaming it next week. So there you go. People right. you may know. People you may know. My trailer is, it's been floating around for a long time internationally in the festival circuit, uh, but it is not coming to us until 2018. It is The Party, new film from writer-director Sally Potter. Uh, stars a whole lot of people, Patricia Clarkson, Bruno Ganz, Jerry Jones, Emily Mortimer, Killian Murphy, Kristen Scott Thomas. Oh, Kristen Th- Scott Thomas. Timothy Spall uh, is in it. It's, it is an amazing cast. Uh, and it is essentially a talky dinner party uh, uh, story. It reminds me of of movies like one of my favorites, The Last Supper, that I know you don't like as much as I do. But it was great, and um, uh, it's shot all in black and white. It looks beautiful. It is, uh, the IMDb says, Janet hosts a party to celebrate her new promotion, but once the guests arrive, it becomes clear that not everything is going to go down as smoothly as the red wine how cheeky. Uh, it, it's, it gets crazier than that. It ends up being a story of revenge and retribution and some slapping and there's a gun and um, it looks like tight dialogue, a lot of wit, very British. And uh, I'm very excited to see this movie. Sally Potter is interesting. I haven't seen a lot from Sally Potter, but she did Orlando. Um, I, I guess what was that? Ninety seven. Uh, it's a weird movie, That's right? My recollection it was it, very yeah. weird. And she's, you know, her her background is very much in the visual arts. And so this movie, yes. Did you see Yes in two thousand four? Uh, no. I, we should have paired Yes and No together. We should. <laughs> That would have been very interesting because apparently Yes is told in iambic pentameter, the film. And so oh, wow. you look at it. It absolutely has jumped on my list. I'm, I'm very curious. Stars Joan Allen and Simon Abkarian uh, and Sam Neill. Uh, and so I'm really curious about, you know, making these choices that that are sort of overtly for the arts, you know, and, and um, uh, kind of munging the arts uh, uh, in, in her film. So I'm very curious about it. This one looks uh, uh, less weird than her previous films. She hasn't done a whole lot, it looks like, in the in the last uh, several years. She did Ginger and Rosa in 2012, but, um, you know, The Party is, is the first uh, film that she is acting as uh, writer-director since then. Uh, I'm excited to see it. What, how did it hit you? This is uh, the, the talky dinner party type of movie that I just love, you know, uh, when some some dark secrets pop up and all of a sudden just it, it, it goes bonkers. I think that the black and white is a smart strategy. It gives it like this real uh, neo-noir sort of feel to this dark story as it, as it unfolds, which I think is great, especially as it turns to murder. Patricia Clarkson has my favorite line in the trailer, which was, 
um, it might be de- deleterious to your campaign strategy, but you could consider murder. <laughs> it's just, just fantastic. I was like so overly like talky and everything, but it just evolves to murder. I just loved it. So uh, the cast, everybody in this looks spot on perfect. And it looks like a really interesting uh, story to tell. So uh, this trailer, I hadn't even heard of this film, but it's definitely something that's on my must-see list. Oh, I love that. I love that. Uh, And so, yeah, I'm very excited about it. It has been floating around since February of 2017, where it opened at the Berlin International Film Festival. And then all around the world, it seems to be opening with uh, solid reviews. Uh, It hits... Oh, geez. It starts its world release uh, December of 2017. It hits us February 16th, 2018. But our friends in Sweden will get it on January 5th, along with Poland and Spain. Uh, So, you know, maybe we'll get a report from there uh, when this movie opens. Awesome. Cool. All All right, Andy, it's time for the list. Time for the lists. This, Fantastic. This was not as hard as last week. No, there's a lot of options. <laughs> Can we just a take a minute options. and be thankful <laughs> for that? I'd like to be thankful for that because last week sucked. Last week was a challenge. Yeah, this week, <laughs> since uh, we talked about Wild Tales, the uh, fantastic anthology film directed by Damian Cifron from Argentina uh, as, the, uh, as the final film in our Ricardo Darín series, uh, since it was an anthology film, we said, hey, let's come up with our lists of our top three anthology films. So here we are. Here we are. I hope that we don't overlap. But if we do, at least I feel like we probably have a deep bench. I have a very deep bench. Yeah. So I yeah. am totally, totally fine just winging it. Now, uh, now, did you, where, what was your line with anthology films? Like, did you have any lines or were you pretty flexible with, with, anthology film definition well okay um for example so i brought this up to my family and they brought up a film that i think uh would would be on would be on the line that i did not accept i did not accept for a number of reasons but so take that you know for what it's worth the movie is bedtime stories uh, and it's an example of a film with one consistent through line where he's, you know, the, the main character is telling these stories to the kids that become little films interjected into these little vignettes interjected into uh, the main narrative of the story. I did not accept that as an anthology film. Okay. Okay. That is definitely not, a, that is, that crosses the line. Yeah. It's tricky because I was like, okay, so I, there were some, well, especially, I mean, I referenced in our group, the um, uh, flick chart has anthology film as a genre, and you can kind of see. And they've got some on there that I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'd call that a an anthology film. Um, like what? Some what of them, doesn't cross the, what crosses the line for you? Uh, well, Monty Python's The Meaning of Life they had on there. And, that, and to me, it's like, that's, I mean, I can see why they'd call it an anthology film, but to me, that's really more of just a sketch comedy movie. Which is, see now that is definitely <laughs> that's definitely on the list for me. Okay, well that's fine. Yeah. Um, I was but I was torn. I was like, gosh, I don't. I'm not. I, I guess I can see why they would call it an anthology film, and I and you could. I just in my mind, I was like, well, I, I feel like it's more sketch comedy, but it could be. You're right. It could fall into that, and I'm okay with that. Um, and then there were some that's like because my wife and I were talking, and she brought up. Um, I can't remember what she brought up. Was it Magnolia? And I'm like, oh, I don't know because that's really. 
I feel like the stories are all interwoven constantly throughout the film. So I, I yeah. don't feel like that's an anthology film. I feel like an anthology film is really story, 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 story. You know, can you get your full stories? Yeah. So I, I, so agree. I didn't and count I agree. those Magnolia types doesn't of count either. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. So there were, I think we're, we're pretty much on the same page. There's some, you know, we might have some, uh, well, some things. But. Yeah, I think so. But, you know, I, I think it's also, well, I don't know. Let's just see where it goes. Why, do you want to start? I am going to start... And the first one I am going to uh, talk about, Pete, is an interesting film that I had actually never heard of before I was doing my uh, John Carpenter, um, uh, watching all of his films. I went through and watched everything that John Carpenter had done. And I came across this really great film. Now, technically, it's a a movie made for TV, but it still is a a feature-length film. It's called Body Bags. And he did it um, with uh, Tobe Hooper, back in 93 and it's this it's this fun little anthology film now i, I should also say uh, as far as my list goes i'm not necessarily picking my favorite like the my top three favorite of all time or anything but i'm picking three that i think are really enjoyable in the world of anthology and this one i picked because uh because it is horror and i think it just it has some really kind of just crazy comedy bits you've got this this um three stories in it you've got the story about this this serial killer at a gas station um that uh, also has uh, and i should also mention there's tons of great cameos throughout this like director cameos like wes craven pops up sam raimi pops up um and so you've got this uh this great one the gas station then you've got this one uh with stacy keach called hair where he gets this hair transplant that um it's like this alien parasite hair thing uh, and then this this other one, this I story, where uh, Mark Hamill, um, he's a baseball player who gets an, an an eye transplant and then gets taken over by the personality of the thing. Plus, you have the interstitial story woven together um, that has John Carpenter actually playing this this crazy uh, a morgue guy who works in a morgue with Tobe Hooper, Toby Hooper, and. Uh, I don't know. It was just really fun, really light, really enjoyable. It's certainly not one of my favorites, but I had such a good time watching it. I definitely think it's worth checking out. So that's my first one, Body Bags. I have never even heard of this film. I know. It's 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 like nobody's heard of it, but it's that's definitely crazy. worth watching. And it's uh, totally predictable that you would do start with a horror film. <laughs> of course. Uh, and I will be surprised if your top two are not also horror. How about that? Well, let me just say that's that's something else I've been trying to think of. Is like I'm trying to, I'm trying to kind of you know put my own rules on. So I I didn't purposely want to pick all horrors, so they're not all horrors. Okay, all right. Well, my first film is a, um, uh, I, I, you know, it's a delightful little black and white talkie uh, from 1993. Um, uh, and when I say 1993, I mean uh, 2003. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that 1993 from, from uh, yes. Well, you know. The 2000s, it's the new 90s. Can we say that? Uh, sure. Um, from Jim Jarmusch, and it is a film, Coffee and Cigarettes. It's got 11 little stories in it, which is a lot for uh, one of these things. But I thought some of these vignettes were 
were super, super fun. Um, we've got uh, the, the highlight for me, and I, I feel like in these things we should probably talk about like our very favorite, as you say, because I um, because it can get lost in the the narrative of the movie. But one of the things that stands out here is um, you know uh, Alfred Molina and Steve Coogan have this hysterical conversation where Alfred Molina discovers that they're they're potentially cousins and that they should do some sort of project to celebrate uh, that they're cousins. <laughs> And Coogan does not like Alfred Molina. And there are some wonderful, wonderful lines. It is uh, absurdly British in their conversation. And, and um, I I adore it. Um, Kate Blanchett plays herself. She, play, she plays herself and uh, a non-famous cousin named Shelley. And they talk to one another. And it's great. Uh, Jack White and Meg White uh, talk about Jack's Tesla coil. Uh, there's some some really fantastic ones. I think the, you know, in, in terms of the the best sort of uh, stunt cast, this is a, a great cast all up and down the, the board, but Bill Murray is in it. He plays a chef and it really, uh, uh, you know, it, 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 it's all about his kind of, it just fits the Bill Murray aesthetic for me because Bill Murray is known to just show up in crazy places and he's, he just shows up in a diner as a cook. Uh, and they have this conversation with GZA and RZA of the Wu-Tang Clan uh, about the dangers of caffeine and nicotine. Uh, and uh, it ends up being very, very funny. So uh, I, I think this is a, a delightful little film with some some really fun um, fun vignettes. Uh, and it has the same. One of the things we, we really liked about Wild Tales is that it, it you know, it, it thematically it's consistent across all of the vignettes right because it's told in the hands of one director and and um, uh, for me I, I think this film kind of fits that bill as well coffee and nice nice that's a really enjoyable one I'm not a big Jar- Jim Jarmusch fan yeah but that is um, one that I like and I like that more than night on earth his other anthology film yes <clears throat> that he did totally agree um yeah, and uh, the, yeah, the one that you highlighted with uh, Molina uh, is, I think, probably my favorite in that thing too. It's just very, very funny. <laughs> what I call you? Uh, can I say no? <laughs> just that has become that's you know it's one of those lines. Uh, there are a couple of them in this movie, but it's one of those lines where that I find myself quoting, uh, uh, sort of unconsciously when somebody says uh-huh. something. Can, can I say no? <laughs> so, Steve Coogan is so good. He's great. Yeah. He is a very funny guy. What's your number All two? Right, well, my my number two is a fantastic um, uh, Mexican film from uh, from 2000, Amores Perros, directed by Alejandro Gonzalez Iñárritu, which is a wild ride. It's a it's there's three stories that we have in here. The nice thing about this one is it's three stories, but they all actually are connected by this car crash that happens in it. And that's something I really enjoy about this one is is the three stories are all happening like within the same space. Um, they all it's, it's three lives kind of intersecting, but we just happen to get the three different stories. Um, we get one story about a teen living in the slums who kind of gets involved in dog fighting. We get a story about this model who gets into a car crash and she's got her dog. And then you've got this, this strange homeless man that's like, oh, he's, he's kind of also like this hit man. Um, really great um, characters, really great stories. The dog fighting stuff is intense. Uh, my wife won't watch it because of the dog fighting stuff that happens in here. But um, 
but I love the stories and I love the way that everything kind of is woven together. And my favorite is definitely the one about the um, the the vagrant, the guy who's uh, you find out is this uh, uh, professional hitman, El Chivo, and uh, and his story. Uh, it's just it's some great um, darkness, some interesting themes of of uh, violence and inequality, uh, in, all in Mexico City. Uh, with this class divide between kind of this homeless guy, this guy living in the slums, and this rich model. An interesting uh, kind of world spread across the three of them. Um, I, I really enjoy this film. This is definitely one to watch. It can be a little hard for some people who don't want to see the dogfighting stuff, but it's it's well worth your time. Gal Garcia Bernal is, is terrific in that movie. It's it's pretty grim. It's, it's But it's so good. This ain't no Coco. It ain't no Coco. No, it's not. <laughs> Uh, uh, that's a good choice. That's a good choice. Yeah. I uh, I went light uh, for my remaining two, uh, as you can probably predict. Uh, one of them, this my number two, is the fantastic Mel Brooks film History of the World Part One, uh, which uh, tells a story of different times through history uh, through the eyes of you know Mel Brooks, uh, starting with these. <laughs> I don't even know if I get through it. These are the <laughs> these are the fifteen <laughs> ten commandments Moses on the mount. Uh, oh, it it, it uh, is a uh, absolutely terrific romp through time. I think it may be the first Mel Brooks film that I ever saw, uh, and uh, thanks thanks Dad, and um, it he's uh, just a, a real treasure comedic treasure and and this movie uh, i find is just a riot all the way through from the opening frame to the close uh and um so that's that's definitely my number two pick that is a great choice really great choice i haven't seen that in um in a very long time but it might be my first mel brooks experience also now that i think back yeah it's uh, it's it, it hit that at that time where it was on HBO a lot when I was a kid, and I feel right, like I right. probably saw it uh, a lot when my parents weren't watching me. Well, you know, it was, <laughs> it was what I was up to. Totally, it was one of those uh, movies that just had, uh, you know, he had the the gift of of being around some incredibly funny people all the time, uh, but this movie had all of them doing their very best stuff, right? From Dom DeLuise, Madeline Kahn, and Harvey Corman, Count de Monet, uh, Cloris Leachman, uh, Gregory Hines, obviously, uh, Shecky Green, Sid Caesar. Uh, these were just amazing people. And, it, you know, that Orson Welles did the narration. Uh, it, it was, uh, it's just a perfect package for me. And, um, you know, as much as I uh, adore Young Frankenstein, I think I would put this one on first. Hmm. Interesting. There, you, there you go. Well, for my number one, Pete, as as tempted as I am to go with movie forty three. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> do we I'm get a veto to. on this? These I, lists, like, do we get a I, veto? I, I, <laughs> <laughs> oh, movie forty three was horribly, uh, horribly <laughs> guilty. But I had so much fun watching that. I have to say that. Um, no, for my final pick, I'm actually jumping into a classic one. I'm going all the way back to 1945, and I don't know um, if this is like the the earliest anthology film, but it's the earliest one that I uh, am aware of. It's this really kind of just a, a nicely creepy kind of gothic horror anthology that the Ealing Studios made uh, called Dead of Night, and they had... 
uh, Alberto Cavalcanti, Charles Crichton, Basil Dearden, Robert Hamer, uh, directing different parts of this story that is, it, it feels very much like the precursor to a lot of the setups of like Trilogy of Terror and Tales uh, from the Crypt and all those other sorts of movies where you, know, you have this this horror story that is kind of happening and, and these people come together and then they talk about uh, something. They talk about their story and you get kind of this horror story and then the next person talks about their story and, and you kind of go through them like The Vault of Horror is another one. A lot of great uh, kind of those classic um, gothic horror anthologies and I feel like this is kind of the precursor of all of them. Um, it's got a great cast. Uh, Michael Redgrave's in it. Um, I think Googie Withers pops up in here. Um, and it's, you've got, and again, it's like these, these people, this all come together in this mansion and this guy's like, I, I, I've never met any of you, but I've seen you all in, in a, a dream that I keep having. And, and this doctor tries to help him. And meanwhile, everybody starts talking about their stories and, and they're all kind of, uh, you realize as, as it builds toward this, this twist ending what's happening here and it's it's just it's a really kind of a nice film it's not too scary but it's nice and creepy i really enjoy it um and the, my favorite of them all is probably there's this story uh, i think it's the last one where michael redgrave he plays this ventriloquist and and he starts to believe that his dummy is alive and his dummy is really amoral and just like this awful uh, awful awful character and and it just totally starts like mentally affecting him and everything and it's just this fantastic like creepy horror movie and ventriloquist dummies are creepy anyway they are and and this this one really i feel like kicked off creepy ventriloquist dummies uh for all time so definitely worth checking out it is 1945's dead of night that should be our list at some point is the creepiest ventriloquist dummy movies <laughs> right Man, you oh, can always so go back to the well on those. You can. Yes, there's indeed. always more. There, there are greater depths to plumb. Indeed, uh, there are. My number one pick. Uh, yes, it is Monty Python's "The Meaning of uh, Life." <laughs> there uh, it is. This is the 1983 uh, uh, Monty Python film directed by Terry Jones. Uh, it, it was the the very last of uh, the the Python films to feature all six. Uh, of the Python members, uh, Graham Chapman died in '89. Um, I, mm, I really like this movie, um, and and I, you know, it's hard to. I mean, I like this movie because of, uh, it's just straight up funny because it's enormously quotable, even this long or this far uh, from its um, from its release. It's funny even to uh, people who haven't seen it. <laughs> You can, you know, well, I don't know, at least they're kind to me. And, uh, you know, they, they, they say good things when we talk about it. Uh, but uh, I, I find it's, uh, it's it, one of those, it's like history of the world, you can just continue to go back to it. Um, the, uh, uh, the, of the individual pieces, I think the one that, um, that, that I like the most, probably the most memorable from when I saw it was the sex education sequence. <laughs> 
which where they actually uh, teach a boarding school class of boys uh, sex education by where the teacher actually has sex with a with his wife on a table, which is you know that that's that's the one I remember the most because of how old I was when I saw this. I'm sure, uh, but the funniest <laughs> one was absolutely the waitress or the waiter, and and um, you know would you would you like a mint? It is wafer thin. Wafer thin. If that hasn't yeah. permeated deeply into the the you know fine dining culture, I, I don't know any other bit of media that has. So uh, that is well, definitely my pick. And that's uh, I mean that's a brilliant sequence. Uh, the the songs you have to also just oh, acknowledge yes. the brilliant songs. Every sperm is sacred. Yeah. The galaxy song, uh, Christmas in heaven. This film, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, while I may have issues calling it an anthology film, this to me is just a <laughs> absolutely brilliant comedy. Oh, uh, Monty Python's uh, definitely at their top form here. <laughs> Could we have your liver? I mean, live organ <laughs> transplants. Come on, yeah, it's brilliant. brilliant. Top of their game. Uh, there you go. It, this was uh, this was a more fun list to come up with. I, I, obviously, it's I, you know I had fun just because everything I chose was funny. Um, but the uh, <laughs> the fact that that uh, you know I, there there were more anthology films that cropped up uh, that were not horror movies. When we first talked about this list, I thought, oh my goodness, they're all horror movies. Andy's going to come up with all horrible horror movies. And it's gonna it's gonna be really painful to talk about this, and I'm not gonna be able to find anything. It, uh, there are a lot of these things, and they're actually good. You were very worried about. I this. was very worried. <laughs> I was very worried because I have this in my head that I don't usually like anthology movies. It turns out I am wrong. Uh, my memory has been um, co opted uh, by you know the memories of bad anthologies, and th there are some really good ones that I enjoy. There are. Yeah. I mean, Pulp Fiction, even Sin City. You know. Yeah. I. Mean, I uh, and there are a lot of great horror movies. As many bad horror movies uh, that are uh, anthology films, there are also a lot of great ones that are definitely worth checking out. So. You, you know, the one I was thinking of last week when we when we talked about this was Cat's Eye. Mm, uh, yep. Drew Barrymore was, one. Yeah. was in that one. And uh, I, but I'm I'm glad it didn't get picked. I don't think it's as good as I uh, and as fun as I remember it. Uh, you know, it has its moments. The one, uh, the the uh, the Quitters Anonymous or Quitters Incorporated, whatever that one's called. Um, I, th I thought that one was just a fantastic um, uh, element in that one. So yeah, it's uh, it's got its good moments. It definitely does. So well, that, it's, that it's a it's a it's a fun world. I like anthology films, and so I'm glad totally. you enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, no, I've I've come back around. What does this do for our list next week? Well, we're doing uh, our listeners' choice episode about Labyrinth. Uh, Jim Henson's film. I was wondering if we should do films that uh, that uh, feature puppets. Oh, okay. I think that should give us some interesting ones to talk about. Are there, is there anything off limits? Meet the Feebles. <laughs> That's the only thing. <laughs> Otherwise, you're good. <laughs> Damn, that was my number one. <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't think so. I mean, I, I guess uh, I guess I, I'm I'm fine with it. I, I well, I guess the question is. I mean, I, I feel like it needs to be. Puppetry that's that's taking place in context of the film, not like a stop motion uh, sort of, which really is more animation. But yeah, you know, sometimes it feels very puppety. But I was thinking about uh, you know something like uh, you know are there are there picks that are too too trite? Like, are you going to pick Yoda? That's a good question. Um, I guess that is puppetry. Uh, you know, uh, I guess that would be okay. Hmm. But I'm going to try to be a little more, um, I, I'm going to try to, I personally, I'm going to try to pick films where there's a little more puppetry happening within the film. Okay. Um, All right. 
So, so uh, gentlemen's agreement, Yoda is off the list. Yoda should be off the list because otherwise we'll all end up with Star Wars movies. <laughs> Favorite movie about puppets except Yoda. <laughs> okay. I can deal with that. Uh, yes. Excellent. Uh, nice uh, nice uh, uh, potting with you today, Andy. This was a fine Saturday matinee. Uh, are you off Absolutely. to see anything? Uh, no, we're actually, it's it's that time of year. We are actually going to pull the boxes out of the garage and uh, set up all the Christmas stuff. Oh. Ay, caramba. God. I know. I'm not ready for that. I'm definitely not <laughs> ready for that. Uh, we're, we're going, we're going couch shopping today. I think, I think there might be a new couch in my future. So we can't do any of the Christmas decorations because you never know how it's going to fit the ensemble. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Ensemble. All right. You're supposed to do couch shopping yesterday. I'm supposed to catch up in yesterday. Is that it? You were supposed to go couch shopping oh. yesterday. <laughs> catch up. What is catch up? What the? I, I guess I was. But, you know, I, the way we figure it is Black Friday is essentially now Black Weekend uh, all the way through Cyber Monday. Like every yeah, place right. that had the deals still has the deals. So, right. You just can't get the doorbuster deals. No. I, or we maybe you can, but they're more likely sold out. We don't bust doors, Andy. We, we do not bust doors. We, we are not of a door-busting family. Uh, <laughs> anyhow, uh, thank you, everybody, all of our Patreon listeners who subscribe and support this show and help us uh, do what we do and continue to to grow what we do and how we do it. We sure appreciate uh, your participation. Uh, and uh, for our American listeners, uh, happy Thanksgiving, belatedly, and now it is on to Christmas. Thanks, everybody. Have a good day, Andy. You too. I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our Originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January, or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. Mm -hmm.